Every time I do it, I know we do it a lot, it's just because everybody knows it and everybody sings it out, and I really love that. So, y'all sing this out. Lord, I need 
teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay Lord I where we can come and just learn more about you and just worship you, God. Just pour out our hearts into everything we do and give you all the honor and praise, God. I thank you for all that you do for us, especially sending your Son to die on the cross for our sins. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Caleb, and thank everyone for singing. Thank the choir, and it's great to see Miss Barbara back in action again, and uh, glad to have each of you here this morning. Because of the, uh, hopefully you got a bulletin, you already know where we're headed, and that's really what we're going to talk about this morning, that you have a choice to make. You've got a choice to make. That's You need to take that personally and uh, make that first person there. I've got a choice to make. I have a choice to make. And the choice, really the subject matter, is something that Jesus really tried to drill into his followers, and it was about commitment. And we're going to see and talk about commitment for just a little while. There's a lot of commitment in this room. Now, commitment's a really great thing. It's a really great thing whenever you're committed to your marriage. Amen? <laughs> Let's be committed in our relationships. Let's be committed in our marriage. What about, you know, if you're married to someone and, and uh, what, what if they're committed to their job? That's a good commitment. That's a good commitment. We need to be committed. Our boss likes that. Our boss wants us to be at work. Our boss wants us to be on time. You can be committed to that. Now, obviously, you want to be committed to the right things with the right priority. And the greatest commitment that you can have is your commitment to Jesus Christ, your commitment to Him. And we're going to look at what God's Word has to say about commitment this morning and you do have a choice to make because you may not be committed to the lord matter of fact you can even be you can know him as your savior but not be committed uh it's kind of like I, I go to you can you can have a job and not be committed to it you can have a marriage and not be committed to it 
So there's different levels of commitment, and we're going to talk about how those play into this. And so I thank you again that you'll just pause for a little while, and let's look at God's holy word and what it says about commitment. Let's go ahead and open your Bibles and go ahead and stand for the reading of these initial scriptures in Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, we're just going to read verse 16 and 17. He said unto them, A certain man made a great supper and bade or invited many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden or invited, Come, for all things are now ready. Let's pray. Father, may we reflect and maybe even recommit what you want us to do this morning. May we take it seriously. Let your Holy Spirit speak in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to talk right off the bat about four levels of commitment this morning. The very first one is you can know Jesus. Okay. The second one is you can follow Jesus. The third one, and whether you're looking in your bulletin or in your on the screen, the third one, of course, is to surrender to Him. And you might say, well, the third and fourth one go together, but there's an ultimate level of commitment because there's a, just one more step that you're willing to die for Him, that you're willing to die for Him. And matter of fact, the Bible says that... Uh, you know that there's no greater love a man than this, than a man who's willing to die for his friends. And, of course, Jesus was willing to die for us. That's commitment. He was committed. And matter of fact, he's our ultimate example of commitment. Now, he's kind of like saying this. is It's kind of like, you know, a general telling you, saying, you need to go to battle. And you go to battle, but what if the general's leading the way? What well, gives you a whole lot more courage when the generals leading the way in the battle and the fight? And that's what Jesus Christ did. He led the way in this battle. And this illustration that we see, and we're going to get to it, is our levels of commitment and just taking into our account how can we be committed to Jesus? How can we be committed to this church? Jesus is here this morning. He's here in your life. He's here in our presence. You, hopefully and prayerfully, you've already prayed to Him. You've already spoken to Him this morning. You, you know, you, and maybe, hopefully, whenever you prayed this morning, you know, you said, uh, you could have prayed a couple of ways. You could say, Good morning, Lord. Or you could say, Good Lord, it's morning. You know, I don't know what kind of attitude you woke up with. But sometimes I've even come to church as the pastor. And just not be in a very good mood. Just not be clicking. But then something happens when I'm at church. And I might not be feeling great. Or I might be discouraged. And God can change you, can't He? He can change you in the middle of a song service. He can change you in the middle of the preaching service. And the Holy, it's the Holy Spirit is what it is. Especially if you're saved this morning. If you know the Lord is your Savior, He can change your commitment level this morning. You might have come just being, you might just know Jesus. What if you started following Him this morning? Following means that you want to know what He has to say. 
And you're more interested in Him today than you were yesterday. That's following Him. And then some point in time, you know, you're coming to Sunday school and you maybe maybe you've never come to Sunday school. Maybe you only come for preaching. Well, that would be that next step. You would, you might be it. You're interested and you get to step two or three and you just say, you know what? I, I need to step it up. I need to surrender my life to Him. I need to give my life to Him. And that's a surrender. And folks, when you're surrendered, only when you're surrendered can you truly be used by God. That's And that's what it is. And God will put you in a place where you can live for Him and maybe even die for Him. Now, God doesn't call all people to do that. Not even all 12 of the disciples died for Him. You know, uh, according to history, John died a natural death, but whether or not that, you know, exactly we have his uh, death accurately or not, but the 11, you know, um, did die for him in their death according to history and what what have you. So there have been many a person that has done this. Let's go ahead and move on. Not only this invitation, real quick, we have an invitation. Verse 17 again says, Come for all things are now ready. And that that's the invitation. When you invite somebody to church, I got tickled. Somebody was uh, texted me this week and said they've been using technology to invite people to church. That's cool. Any way you can invite people or talk to people uh, for the Lord, use technology, use a letter, and, and use anything. Invite people to come to church. That's a great thing. Invite people. You know, let people know that you can come. But then you have what happens is, is anytime you say, well, I want to be more committed, you're going to run into excuses. You're going to run into stumbling blocks. You're going to run into things that discourage you. People will discourage you. They'll offer excuses. Now, some people can say, well, the reason I can't come is this, but is it a reason or an excuse? Paper-thin difference between the two. But look at this. Matter of fact, uh, I didn't come up with this. Uh, I read it somewhere. Somebody labeled these excuses right here, two fools and a henpecked husband. Yep, two fools and a henpecked. Let's see what they are, beginning with verse 18. And they all... With one consent. Now, this is the servant going out for the fellow who had the big banquet. And big, huge, man, you tell me that there's a bank. I mean, what if they had said, all you can eat filleted crappie? I mean, there's no excuse, is there? <laughs> there's no excuse for that. You know, all you can eat filleted catfish. Come! Well, I can't come to the uh, fried fish supper, you know, every year we've got that. I think we've got it coming up next Sunday. And uh, all you can eat fish. Verse, but notice here what they said. Uh, well, the first one, notice it says, the first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground, but I haven't ever seen it. And I, I, I need to, I, that's my excuse. That's what it says. I bought a piece of ground. You know, it's kind of like, uh, uh, that old country music song, you know, oceanfront property in the middle of Arizona, you know, oceanfront. Yeah, I bought some. They said it was oceanfront property, and I haven't seen it yet, but it must be nice. Well, this is this is definitely a flimsy excuse if you've not ever seen it and you bought it. Well, what's the next one? Well, the other one said, what, verse nineteen. Well, I bought five yoke of oxen. And I've got to go 
prove them. I've got to go claim, I've got to go try them out for a test run. I pray that you have me excused. Well, that's like, you know, today, some people, because of technology, have actually done that. You know, like, uh, you can get on eBay. You can buy a car. You can buy a car on the Internet. You can do all, but you know, me, you know, before the, the first paycheck comes out, before the first bit of money comes out, I want, I want to go see that car. I want to go check the car out. I want to test drive the car. I want to run the reviews on the car. I want to see some reviews now and see some, I want to talk to people. Have you ever owned one of these? You know, I, I, I love that. And I just, uh, I got a great deal. Hopefully, Lord willing, it'll keep running. Somebody said, don't be bragging on, I like a good deal. <laughs> got a good deal on the minivan. I had a few little things wrong with it, but I knew I could fix it. And I changed those parts out, and man, it's just, I'm just so excited. Somebody said, well, something else may break down. Well, that's, that's fine. It, you know, that's, that's life, but guess what? You know, you test it out, you look at it, well, this fellow was just offering an excuse. And then finally, the other one said, you know, the third excuse, two fools and a henpecked husband. The other one said, well, I can't come. And he just has a simple statement. My wife told me I couldn't come. <laughs> Simple state. My wife, you got to get approval from the missus. You say, uh, it doesn't say that in there. It's in between the lines, okay? I guarantee you, it's in, I have married a wife. It says that right there. And guess what? Mm, I can't, can't make it to the supper. And so these excuses, and this is it. This is it. It comes down to this. In your commitment... Have you ever put anything ahead of the Lord? Now, it might have been a good thing. Time with the family, uh, vacation, recreation, this or that, uh, ball playing, hunting, fishing. We could, you know, go from preaching to meddling here real quick, okay? And so, but hey, we've all done it at one time or another. We put something ahead of the Lord. That's called commitment to something else. I'm committed. That's all these three are. I've committed to something else. This fellow was apparently very important. That's the way Jesus was portraying this story. Very important. He's a very important guy. And either they were intimidated or they didn't care about him. And folks, a lot of people are that away with Jesus. They look at you and they say, well, i got to be all high and mighty to go to church. Lord, may people now trip over us to get to Jesus. Or I've got to dress up to go to church. Or I've got to do this to go to church. Or they think that church is that's above them. I don't measure up. I can't go to that church because I don't measure up. May Are we painting Jesus and our church in such a way that people don't feel comfortable in the presence of Jesus? Or maybe, you know, some, we're not, or maybe we think that they're, and, and they may look at us and be an excuse and this important guy, they just don't, they didn't care what he had to say. A lot of people don't care what Jesus has to say. They might not have cared about the fellow that was inviting them. A lot of people today don't care about the Lord. And that's, that is the times we live in, but we've got an advantage that you may not have thought about. When you invite somebody to church, when you, listen to me very carefully, a lot of people don't realize you've got a secret weapon. When you mention, you're saved, 
It's for it to work. It's got to be this way. You're saved. You're serving, trying to serve the Lord Church. And when you mention Jesus to somebody, all you just did, and don't even try to change them, the Lord will do that. But you just said, Holy Spirit, take over. The Holy Spirit is then your friend and will work on their heart. And you said, I did it. I told them about Jesus. I invited them to church. And guess what? You've got a secret weapon. And the Lord said He would do that. The Lord said He would He would work in their heart. And so that's the secret weapon. Tell them. And you say, well, I did it. The Lord, Lord, you got to take over. Okay? Moving on to what I call the command here. Well, <clears throat> this is what happens. So the serp, verse 21. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. In other words, and then it says the master of the house being angry said to the servants, well, I tell you what, go out quickly because the food's getting cold, okay? Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the hither and the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. That's whenever you start doing real ministry. That's whenever you say, I don't, that, folks, according to this, according to this, you need to invite people to church no matter their background, no matter what clothes they got, I don't care what they've done in their past, do we have a church that all people can come to? Do we have a church where nobody is not welcome? Or do we have a church just for select few in a country club atmosphere in Promised Land or or in, in Ashley County? What kind of church do we have? Do we have this kind of church? Or do we have a church where I'm only going to buy people that I like, that I care for that's on my list well what about the lord's list huh i mean what kind of church do we have the lord's up there stomping his foot and saying i don't care what you think i told you to go out and get some folk and y'all know what that word means Get some people. Get some folk. I don't care what kind of sins they've committed. I don't care what they've done. I don't care about their past. Invite people to church. Why? We've got a little bit over 200 here this morning. But I see some empty spots. I see some empty spots. Notice the next verse. Look at verse 22. And the servant said, Lord, I did that, and there's still room. <laughs> there's still room. You know, you know, and I was, uh, thinking about this. I think about, uh, what, uh, what we may say to guests whenever they come. Invite people to come, and, uh, and Kenneth, you're gonna have to help me out, cause I left my list. <laughs> On my desk, what we say, the very first one, I've got seven things that we can say to our guests. Every one of us needs to think about when guests come. So he's telling them, go get people. Go get people. Well, there's some things that you may not have ever thought about, about saying to somebody, find somebody you don't know. Every Sunday, every Sunday, find somebody you don't know and say that right there. Thank you for being here. That means a lot. What's the next one, Kenneth? What if you see them uh, carrying, uh, like Jared, you got babies hanging off every arm. <laughs> and say, and they got their Bible tucked under. All they got to do is lift that arm right there and the boom, the Bible is saying, can I help you with that? 
You know, what if they're toting something? What if they need some help? That's a great thing to say. Offer that. What else can we do? Here's a good one. Hey, take my seat. (laughs) There's some people that's fighting words. That's my pew. You know, but what if, I mean, that's a great thing to say. Hey, you can have my seat. I will sit somewhere else. We are so excited to have you. He's going out and he's getting everybody. And guess what? There's still room. So he's telling people, what's the next thing? What if you offered them, say, where do you live? Do you need, hey, if there's, and you don't know these people, give them your phone number. Say, is there any way, if there's anything I can do for you, here's my phone number. When you actually connect with people, folks, there's, uh, you know, you come to church, you can easily get lost in a crowd. I've actually said to people before, let's see, were you at church? You get lost in the crowd, but folks, church and serving the Lord is about relationships and having a relationship with people. What's the next thing? A lot of people don't know where to go. So, do you know where your class is? You know, some people might might go in the wrong door. Hey, let me show you where to go. The next one. You know, a neat thing right here that you can do is not only did you give them your name, you say, well, I'm horrible with names. It's okay. Here's a way to even make it better. You've been here for how long? Go up somebody, you say, well, I've been here a church member and I haven't been here very long. And if you think, well, uh, all you got to do, you say, I don't know who's a member, who's a guest. Here's a neat thing you can say. You can say this. Um, Go up to anybody in this room, and it doesn't matter whether they're a member or not. Even if you don't know them, you can say, how long have you been going here? If I were to go up to B-Buddy, I'd instantly have a conversation. And he'd say, yeah, let me tell you about it. Tell you how long I've been going here. And you'd get to know B-Buddy. And another thing you can do right here, the next one, is what if you came and you, whether you fix lunch at home or whether you say, you know what, I'm going to go out to Subway or Fiesta Linda or something where, I don't know, after church. But what if you did this? What if you actually thought this? Say, Lord, I don't know who's going to be at church, but if there's somebody at church... Whether they come or not, I'm going to invite them for lunch. Lord, if I can be used in a simple way. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't normally do that. Think about it. What the impact you could make on somebody, on somebody's life. And so that's a neat thing about guests. There's still room. One more illustration on this before we move on to the next point. And that is... Uh, <clears throat> You know, it says there was room. But a lot of people in serving the Lord, they want to be comfortable. They like a little elbow room. I don't want anybody else coming. I don't want anybody else coming because it might change our service. I don't want anybody else coming because I might have to change my seat. I don't want anybody else coming to our church because I might have to change. You know, a lot of people thought that one of the greatest disasters of all time was a Titanic disaster. I've got an actual picture right here taken from the Carpathia, the ship that picked up the survivors. Did you know that there were 
about 2,100 people on that on board that ship. They only picked up 700 survivors. Only 700 survivors. Many of the lifeboats, even though this one's pretty full, I got it because of the quality of the picture. But it says this: eyewitness accounts. Most of them were half full because they didn't want to discomfort anyone. Even if all of them were filled to capacity, they would have only saved about 1,700 of those because that's all that they could carry. But a lot of people treat... Folks, listen to me very carefully. If our church is not a lifeboat for this county, then let's shut the doors and let's turn off the lights and let's go someplace else. If our church is not a lifeboat for this county... Because people are dying going to hell. And we're worried about comfort. We're worried about our preferences. We're worried about getting our way. Folks, it ain't about us. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about Him being crucified, shedding His blood, rising from the grave. And like the choir sang, He's coming back to get us. And whenever He comes back to get us, will He will He look at us and say, Well done, thou good and faithful steward, thou good and faithful servant. You know, what will He say to us? And were we more concerned about comfort or than Commitment. Most of us in in this room have been guilty of slacking on our commitment. Matter of fact, because of that, in verse 24, because of that in verse 24, he said, For I say unto you, is that because some of all those people that refused to come, all those people that told me no, he said, I say unto you that none of those men which were invited shall taste of my supper. Meaning that they, they just totally rejected. There's a very interesting story about a preacher who's preaching in Second Kings chapter 7. And, uh, and he's talking, there's a, a famine going on in the land. And Elisha said in Second uh, Kings 7, 1, Hear ye the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time. There's no, there's no food anywhere. And the people are, are trapped Inside the town, they can't get out because of the enemy. And it says, tomorrow, and as I read verse 1, about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measure of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. And, and this is basically what he said. Tomorrow, they're having a two-for-one sale on fresh bread. That's what he's saying. Well, guess what? The king, the king had a, had a vice president. The king had a vice president, and notice what, then a lord, on who, verse 2, on whose king the, uh, hand the king leaned, answered the man of God, told the preacher, and said, if the Lord were to open the windows of heaven, this thing is not going to happen. And he said, behold, and I love, the preacher looked at him and said, behold, you're going to see it, you're going to see it happen, but you won't get a bite to eat. Because of your lack of faith. And sure enough, it happened. The Lord ran off all the enemy people standing outside the gate. And there was a bunch of food outside the city. And the vice president held the door open and got trampled by the crowd and died. <laughs> he saw all the fresh bread out there. But he didn't get to eat of it. And a lot of people drive by our church. Drive by our sign. And they listen to you invite them. And they'll be without excuse. But are you inviting them? Are you inviting people to come? What is your level of commitment? 
Moving on to verse 26 in our text. I want to look at verse 26 real quick. Doing great on time. Y'all hang in there. You're doing awesome. Look at verse 26. And so he, Jesus, uh, he gets out to the bigger crowd and he says, if any man, listen, if you want, if you really want to step it up, here you go. If you want to step it up this morning, this is what Jesus says. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and cistern, sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple, which means this, you don't have to hate your family. It just means put the priorities where they need to be. That's what it's saying. Put him first. That's exactly what, because notice verse 27. Whosoever doth not bear his cross. So many people will wear a cross, but they won't bear one. Man, we'll wear it on our shirt and on our neck and everywhere else, but we won't bear one. It says what? If you don't bear your cross, what? You cannot be my disciple. There's a difference between wearing a cross and bearing a cross. Bearing a cross means you're committed and that Jesus is more important to you than anything. It means that you'll get out of your comfort zone. It means you'll speak up even whenever you think you can. It means you'll say something whenever you don't have the words. It means even if you mess up and stumble, you'll try again. It means even if people offer you three excuses that you'll keep going to somebody else and invite them. It means that, and by the way, we're having baptismal services tonight because people got saved and people are following the Lord and baptism and and we got austin and michael being baptized tonight and i'm so excited to see people giving their life and changing their life and saying i want to follow jesus i want to do what's right i want to do what he wants me to do and jesus is important when we dropped robbing off last monday i did not know on memorial day i did not know still i've been praying for him that god would connect him was somebody over in China. He sent us an email, said he had made it safe. And when we got back to the house, there was a note. We've got it on our refrigerator. And it says, Mom, Dad, Brother and Sister. It said, uh, My, how the time has flown by. Thank you for taking care of us. But most of all, thank you for telling me about Jesus. I got saved and I will be telling people about Jesus. Pray for me, and I'll pray for you. If you want to come look at it, it's in. I saw him working it because every time he does something like that, he he would have it in Chinese and he'd translate it to get the words right. But it's over there in his handwriting. You can check it out. Verse thirty-four and thirty-five. Salt is good, but the salt has lost its savor. Wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit nor for the land nor for the dunghill, but cast out and become pavement. <laughs> and then it says here, it's He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. What this means is, is what salt, the only way salt does not break down. If you're a chemist in here, sodium chloride, NaCl, does not break down. How does it become unfit then? Salt will not break down. It becomes diluted and impure. If you want to break down as a Christian, many of our lives are diluted and impure. If we want to be salt, we have to remain committed. Committed to Him. 
A popular preacher said this, and I want to close with this. We are settling for a Christianity that revolves around catering to ourselves. For the central message uh, revolves around catering to ourselves when the central message of Christianity is about abandoning ourselves. Many of you are trying to raise your family. And being committed. If you want to be a committed, a committed Christian parent, this needs to be your goal. It's not ultimately for our kids to have a great education or to be great athletes or find a great spouse or even a great career. Our goal needs to be for them to love a great God. Will you be committed to the Lord as we prepare for a hymn invitation? What is your commitment this morning as we pray father as we bow our heads may our commitment be challenged this morning may your holy spirit work in our heart and if our commitment level needs to to step up dear lord may you burden us and put the pressure on us to give it all to You. Father, thank You for Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.